Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The big game is here, and that means it's time for one of our favorite traditions here on the Take It Easy podcast, which color of Gatorade is going to dunk the winning head coach. There's a whole lore behind this prop bet. Last year, Blue was a huge underdog, and it cashed plus 500. Two of the last three years have been Blue, and Blue has only been the color of Gatorade one other year. Orange is the favorite once again at plus 200. Orange has gotten it three of the last nine years. Orange also went back-to-back with the Saints and the Packers championships between 2010 and 2011, followed by no color, which would be water, Blue at plus 400, yellow, lime, and green are slight underdogs at plus 600, red and pink are both plus 750. Red has never been used, probably because red stains your clothes more than the other colors. I think this is red's year. I'm putting in a plus 750 prop on red. This is finally the year. First time ever that red gets the Gatorade bath. Head over to Bet Online today and use our promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is February 11th, according to my count. May not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is you may be listening. Walter Mitchell is here with us today, and I'm going to make a little compromise here because I really, really love this power hour, which is really two hours that we did together. We will cover James Harden and Ben Simmons next week. Okay? I promise. We'll cover that next week. We talked about it on Monday with Memes of the Weekend. So check out Memes of the Weekend if you want the James Harden-Ben Simmons talk before the trade goes in. Most of the analysis is still true. 20 minutes, James Harden, Ben Simmons. But I really want to talk to Walter today. And I really, really want you guys to hear this conversation that we have because Walter who writes for revengeofthebirds.com he is incredible incredible on this podcast and the red rain podcast that we do every single week which you can check out with the link in the description to this episode here is Walter Mitchell not talking about James Harden and Ben Simmons again we'll save that for after Super Bowl week but the NFL wins once again and we will do our Everyone needs to catch up on the NBA podcast next week, probably on Tuesday. I promise you, we will get to it. Here's Walter Mitchell. Super Bowl week comes to a close. Did y'all know 
that the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing. He invests in stocks and crypto and even art with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And when that art sells, you get return on investments as high as 30%. If you want to get priority access with Masterworks today, go to masterworks.art slash believe. Masterworks.art slash believe to start investing in stocks and cryptocurrency and shares in artwork today. You can invest like the goat with Masterworks. See important disclosures at masterworks.com slash disclaimer. Ask you right off the bat about the Super Bowl then, because I guess that's kind of the thing that people are talking about, right? Is right. the game that we end up talking all year about, even though I'm more interested by things like the Texans hiring Lovey Smith and being a bad organization than the Super Bowl. But what are your thoughts about the Super Bowl going into the final three days of the NFL season? Uh, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I have to admit, I have some Joe Burrow envy going pretty heavily right now. I just really love watching this kid. Uh, man, he's so resilient. And, you know, he's kind of cocky, but not in an arrogant way. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just sort of this. Yeah, I heard that uh, <laughs> after the against the Titans, he ran back to the huddle and said, don't worry, guys. We still have this. Don't, don't panic. <laughs> we'll we'll get this. And, or uh, course, Tannehill will give it to us. That's the other thing he was also saying. Don't worry, Tannehill's going to give the game to us at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that, but uh, I know that he thought they could take care of their business, and uh, they have, and love their trio of wide receivers, and uh, you know, uh, I. And uh, Joe Mixon, uh, when he gets rolling, I, so and so, I just kind of enamored with what they've been doing. It's such a Cinderella story, kind of from worst to first. And uh, so, I am clearly uh, on the Bengals bandwagon for this one. Of course, I don't want to see the Rams win. Being an NFC West guy, you know, Cardinals fan. Um, but I also have to tip my hat to the Rams. They went all in, and you know, it's interesting to me that <laughs> the Cardinals may have been thinking, well, if this wasn't our year, next year will be because the Super Bowl's in Arizona. And now they changed the rule. <laughs> uh, they won't, you know, if a home team makes it to the Super Bowl, they're switching the venue to Dallas. Which is, really? Yeah. Huh. Yep. So um, to the Cowboys Stadium. But then I thought, well, if we still have Kyler Murray, maybe that's a good thing because of the way Kyler plays in Dallas. Um, you know, he's uh, he's uh, legendary at that stadium. But uh, but yeah, I mean, in the Rams, they went all in. They made all the right moves. They know how to coach up people. Um, Matthew Stafford. Uh, has been a a godsend for them, um, as were all of the moves they made, picking up Sony Michelle when 
Cam Akers went down. That was a brilliant move. And, you know, Akers is back. And so and they still have Michelle. And then, you know, the additions of uh, Von Miller, who's been brilliant uh, down the stretch for them. And OBJ, who uh, Cleveland Brown fans must be just shaking their heads. Uh, as, uh, the one that I'm SMH. shaking my head at more there is Eric Weddle led the team in tackles in the conference championship. Yeah, and there you go. <laughs> the Eric Weddle story is just absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, I, I mean, look at that addition right off the street. I mean, and apparently uh, Keem Morris had been uh, communicating with Weddle the whole time during the season. If we need you, stay in shape and well, it was like, okay, and they had him on speed dial, and sure enough, look what, look what he gave him. Amazing. And and the part that I think people don't talk about enough with that one is, like, Eric Weddle is old. And the reason I remember this is because Eric Weddle was the star defensive player for my childhood Chargers teams. Really? <laughs> We're going back to, like, 2008 with Eric Weddle. Right. being the star safety for the Chargers. And then he left in free agency in like 2012, and he's still playing in uh, the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's just it, – it's an exciting matchup. It's definitely uh, Davey versus Goliath, that type of thing. And, you know, the home advantage for the Rams uh, might be uh, – um, a factor, obviously, but uh, it's the Super Bowl. There'll be tons of Bengals fans there and just pure football fans who love to go see the game. So, yeah, it's really exciting. I, you know, It's been a great year for the NFL play-wise, I think, despite all of the vicissitudes and jugglings of lineups and the weekly attritions that teams had to cope with. Uh, the quality of football has been very exciting. Uh, and um, you know, I don't think the NFL could have scripted these playoff games um, post the wild card round, which was kind of a snooze, <laughs> snooze fest. But the divisional round was sensational, maybe the best ever. And then the, the championship games were equally good and, you know, down to the wire games with all sorts of theatrics and, so, you know, kudos to the NFL for for this season. And, you know, it, it's uh, going to be a fascinating one to watch. Uh, always fascinates me, too, to see which team can handle the bye week better, um, which I think is a real um, unknown intangible that, uh, uh, you know, that it takes a certain skill to handle it correctly. And maturely, and um, so, and, and be able to kind of maintain the momentum that you had uh, coming out of the the uh, conference championship games. Yeah, I was interested by the idea of the Davy versus Goliath game because I feel like the Bengals are obviously one of the strangest Super Bowl teams that we can th- we can remember in recent history, and a big part of that is they just had a of once in a lifetime upset in the last round before the playoffs where, you know, the Chiefs fell apart right at the end. But I, 
if, I think if the Rams had been like an all-time great team, this would be more of that conversation. But the Rams themselves are also moderately surprising to get here. Because I think for the whole season, we were all saying the Packers are the best team in the NFC and Tampa is as good as the Rams all the way through. And it, I felt like the Rams even themselves are a little bit surprising, even if they are a better team than the Bengals. It's just because the Bengals are unbelievably surprising. Like Jim Nance said on the final call, if he'd said it a month ago, it would have been impossible. But the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. And that one's just... One where if the, the Rams win, they're going to be remembered as one of those, you know, normal champions, I guess. And if the Bengals win, it's going to be one of the weirdest champions of the last 20 years in the NFL. Yeah. And the Rams are no surprise for uh, fans of the NFC West because uh, Aaron Donald is a total game changer. And anytime you have a guy like that, I mean, you just most teams never have a guy like that. Um, he is just a force of nature that is practically unstoppable. And, you know, the confidence that he gives that whole team. And then on the flip side, uh, on the other side of the ball, I mean, I don't think we've ever seen a better, more productive and more consistent um performance from a wide receiver than what we've been seeing from Cooper Cup. Um, and wow. I mean, this guy talk about Burrow keeping, a, you know, taking a lick in and keep on ticking. I mean, it's just, it's just um, extraordinary that as physical as Cup plays, and you know, he's a vital um, part of their running game. He's a He's a good blocker, and they put him right in the fray there. I mean, the physical pounding that he's had to endure this year has been just astronomical, and yet he just keeps bouncing up, and, you know, he's like Gumby out there, uh, just, you know, gets hammered and springs back up and runs back to the huddle. We're seeing uh, one of the all-time greatest seasons of any football player from him, for sure, and you know, um, the matchups within the game are really exciting to see Jalen Ramsey against Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase is one of the most explosive rookies we've ever seen. I mean, he burst onto the scene and he's been truly outstanding and at times unstoppable in his own right. And um, kudos to the Bengals for not overthinking that pick. Um, you know, they could have easily justified not picking a wide receiver there because they had T Higgins already and they had Tyler Boyd and, you know, they have some good weapons across the board, but to have a chance to draft um, a dynamic playmaker who's got all instant chemistry with your quarterback is, was, uh, I mean, you take, I think you take chase out of the equation. I don't think they win the, AFC North. Yeah, I think the margins were so small on that one, which is the thing that I find interesting about the Stafford situation, which is this is the second year in a row that an offseason move ends up swinging the championship, which is something that happens more often than it used to as star players recognize leverage and move around more. And 
you know, Toronto acquires Kawhi Leonard in the NBA and wins a championship the next season. And then Kawhi Leonard leaves. And all of a sudden it's, you know, one season gets dictated by that move and one injury. And last year it was Brady and this year it's Stafford. Not that, you know, Stafford was the defining game changer for the Rams, but the fact that they have Stafford is probably one of the reasons they're there because they needed a quarterback so bad. Yeah. So I'm I'm fascinated by that side of it. It's like, yeah, the Bengals added essentially Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow back for this season, and all of a sudden they could make a Super Bowl run. And the Rams, it was I think the I think it was the day of the Pro Bowl last year, or when the Pro Bowl was supposed to be. Um, the the week in between the end of the conference championship and the Super Bowl, they traded for Stafford. And a year later, there you go. That could dictate your champion was just that singular move that I'm not sure we've ever seen a trade quite like it in the NFL. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Stafford has, has, boy, he just jumped right in and made a profound difference. And, you know, confidence is a really important thing in this game. And, you know, there's certain players who can generate it. And, you know, when you have, uh, when they have Aaron Donald on one side of the ball and and Stafford on the other, uh, you've to go into every game feeling confident you can win. If I had to ask you right now, going into next season, is it possible that four of the six or five or six best teams in the NFC are in the NFC West? Is it possible that four of the top six teams in the conference come from the same division? Uh, you know, I don't really know what to expect next year. Um, I expect the Rams to be anytime, as long as they have Aaron Donald and Cooper cup, uh, they're going to be, um, and let's not, um, undersell their, uh, offensive line. They're both lines that are, um, playing at such a high level. I mean, I think they're a cut above the other teams right now. I think San Francisco's closer because they have a pretty really good offensive line and a, a really good system, um, you know, but now they have the quarterback conundrum. I, I think they're going to trade Jimmy G. Um, yeah, they will. 100% right. they'll and trade Jimmy so G. So Trey Lance is, he, is an unknown factor at this point, whether he can jump right in. Now he even adds to their running attack and um, – because he's a real good runner. He's a physical kid, and, um, you know, with a big arm. And so I, I don't know if it's reasonable to expect them to, with uh, Lance getting his first taste as a full-time starter, you, know, you got to give them some slack here or there. Um, I but, you know, um, they're going to be right in the mix, no question about it. The Cardinals uh, – Really, um, really disappointing me. I mean, this whole Kyler Murray thing is just ridiculous um, and uh, unfortunate. And, you know, it looks like the Cardinals are imploding before our eyes. Um, they just can't seem to handle success. I mean, part of which is bad, bad luck because every time the Cardinals get close to really knocking on the door, other than in 2008 when Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald uh, led the team into the Super Bowl and had the lead with two minutes and uh, 
two and a half minutes left. Uh, you know, this year with JJ Watt going down, the team was undefeated. That was a huge blow. And then losing DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, people say, oh, excuses, excuses, but it, th those aren't excuses. Those are realities. I mean, take. Yeah, they're explanations. Yeah. They explain why these things happen. Yeah. Take Cooper Cup out of the Rams offense and take Aaron Donald off the field. Uh, you know, would they be in the Super Bowl right now? Uh, maybe, but I, I'm, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think they would be because um, they're think just so dynamic. Ramsey out, they wouldn't be there. You know, Watt was our confidence builder on the defensive side of the ball. Once took him out, not only did the confidence suffer, but suddenly couldn't defend the run as nearly as well. And you know, the the pass rush from the inside was now absent. Um, you know, and then the Seahawks are also kind of in disarray. I don't know if they're going to trade Russell Wilson. I think they probably will. Uh, I think they recognize that they're not right now in the you know close enough to the Rams to try to um, you know uh, hang on to what they've got. I think they've got to kind of do, make a decision on Russell, who looks like he's kind of in a decline, doesn't he? To you. Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, this is difficult because the last year and a half. So it was it was right around the game they played against the Cardinals last year when I think they were like seven and one or something like that. Yeah. Um, from that point onward, it, I can't say that Russell Wilson has played great. I think it was just Russell Wilson was Hall of Fame good before that. Now he's slightly less great than he was back then and Russell Wilson yeah. finished this year I believe like 25 touchdowns and six interceptions and I still believe that if he hadn't gotten hurt in those six weeks the Seahawks would have gone to the Super or not gone to the Super Bowl gone to the playoffs not okay, the Super yeah. Bowl. they would have gone to the playoffs right um but I still think Russell Wilson is good as the best eight quarterbacks in the NFL. He's just not the second best quarterback in the NFL anymore. I think that that's, it's an important distinction because when people say it, I'm like, yes, it's true, but he's not Kirk Cousins at the same time. He's like, right. he's as good as Dak Prescott. He can still do the, you know, the thing that makes Russell Wilson a hall of famer, which is that floating pass 40 yards down the field. That is, you know, incredibly placed in a receiver's hands. Um, I think that Russell Wilson at this point is still one of the special quarterbacks in the NFL. Right. I'm not going to be the person who writes him off at 35 no, years right. old because he right. hasn't had the same kind of, you know, injury history as Matt Ryan or doesn't take as many hits as Matt Ryan. Right. Um, so it's tough. I, I think also the other part is now the part that's also concerning is he's really inaccurate right now, which is a change for Russell Wilson. Um, but at the same point, uh, I think it's up to Russell Wilson, what he wants to do. I don't think the Seahawks really have much of a say. Cause I imagine the Seahawks want to keep Russell Wilson. I think it's up to him right. on, I think the last thing we heard is evaluating his options which is basically like, can I find a spot better than the Seahawks? The Seahawks are like the 13th best team in the in football. 
right. does one of the top 10 teams want me? That's <laughs> kind of where he's at right now. Is like, can I find a better place than Seattle? And if so, maybe I try and quietly, without making people too angry, try and force my way out of Seattle. Well, he's kind of tried to do that last year. He gave them a list of teams he would like to go to if, if they – even um, his agent went public to Adam Schefter with it. Like that was the thing that was shocking about it was they were like, right. Oh, here's Russell Wilson might want to go to the jets, might want to go to the dolphins. And the Seahawks were putting that out. Cause those are the teams that have the best draft picks. And his agent was like, no, here are the exact teams. Russell Wilson will only waive his no trade clause for it. Everyone right. was like, wow. Right. But then he immediately folded afterwards and went back to being corporate Russell where he's like, uh, I think he's, he said in a Sunday night football interview this year, he's, this is the thing that always grinds me up a little bit is, you know, uh, Michael Jordan, and Derek Jeter, they were lifers for the teams they played for not acknowledging Michael Jordan did leave at the end. He's like, it's, right. it's really rare to be a lifer for 20 years. And golly, I'd love to be a lifer with the Seahawks and saying the thing that's going to make everyone universally praise him. Right. Um, but we know he's working behind the scenes to see if he can get a better job. It's kind of what Stafford did, right? Like Stafford wouldn't go to the Colts. He wouldn't go to, I think it was the Patriots because, uh, because Matt Patricia was there. Um, he didn't want to go to those places. It was only when the Rams got involved that he's like, okay, let's, let's try and work this out. And the Lions, even though he didn't have a no trade clause, the Lions were going to do right by him. And right. they got the they got the picks out of it and you know, right. transitional quarterback of sorts. So it's not like it didn't work out great for the Lions, but you know, Stafford kind of did the same move that Russell Wilson would do, which is can I find a better situation than the Seahawks? Which I look up and say, probably not. Probably not gonna find a a place to go this year that's super better than the Seahawks. Like you could argue the Titans might be better than the Seahawks, but that one, you know, it's kind of a toss up for me. I still like the Seahawks team. Yeah. I think, I think Russell dictates the terms on that one more than the Seahawks. Tell me you haven't heard this before. You're sitting in your favorite restaurant, coffee shop. Maybe you're sitting in an airport because your flight's been delayed for an extra hour and a half. You want to use your phone and you want to use your computer, but you're afraid of that public Wi-Fi because you've heard all the stories. Maybe it's happened to you where your data gets hacked, your information's out there on the dark web. It's it's scary. It happened to me uh, last year, actually. If you want to protect yourself nowadays, it's really important that you get security. And NordVPN has a deal for you today. If you go to nordvpn.com slash believe and use our code B-L-E-A-V, you can get 70% off a protection plan with NordVPN for two years with an additional month for free. With a 30-day money-back guaranteed, you are also risk-free if you don't want the service. Sign up today at nordvpn.com slash believe. Yeah, now that I think about it, I'm trying to think in my head where he would be a fit for a trade. I mean, they'd have to get, this is the tricky thing. I mean, they don't have a first round draft pick. I mean, they'd have to have a suitable replacement. So it'd have to be to a team where maybe they're getting back a young quarterback in return. 
I mean, I just, uh, this might intrigue you. <laughs> I just wrote on Revenge of the Birds, a, a trade idea of, um, of sending Kyler Murray to the Houston Texans um, and back to his home state where he's such a legend. Um, and in return, the Cardinals would get Davis Mills um, and uh, the, the Texans' first and third round draft picks this year their first rounder next year and their second rounder in 2024. Um, and, uh, you know, I put a mock draft with that, uh, that, that, uh, would make sense to me. And I mean, I probably hire on Davis Mills than some people. I really like that kid. I think, you know, he was the number one, uh, ranked quarterback coming out of his high school class, um, into college. And, uh, I think what, kind of slowed his down his his NFL stock was he was behind Costello at Stanford for a while there um Costello was doing pretty well so he 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 didn't get his chance until later on and then uh you know he played five games at the COVID season and entering the draft um you know I, I think that if he had been able to play, if it was a normal year and he had been able to be the starter again for the entire season, um, I think his draft draft stock would have been much, much higher. This is a kid's got a really fine arm and he's accurate. He always throws, you know, even at Stanford, he was in the high 60%, like 66, 67%. He was uh, that way at Houston as a rookie last year, 16 TDs, 10 interceptions. Um, with a pretty solid rating, he led the NFL for rookie quarterbacks in 300-yard games, um, which was impressive. I mean, on on a you know on the Texans team, it wasn't very good, um, and uh, he didn't have that great an offensive line. I, I thought he did some really good things. I mean, clearly he's not the the overall extraordinary talent that M Kyler Murray is, but I think in certain ways he fits our system uh, in uh, really well. Uh, I think Kingsbury would get big numbers out of him. And, um, you know, and plus at the same time, you know, like if you get the number three pick in the draft, they could get Kayvon Thibodeau from uh, Oregon to take Chandler Jones's spot. I had them, then taking Jameson Williams um, in the with their second first rounder uh, from Alabama, the big, you know, the speedy wide receiver. The guy, yeah, the guy who I could not believe because I didn't watch much Alabama this year. In yeah. the Georgia game, I could not believe he was just faster than everyone. I was just like, how is that possible? That man right. is obviously a first round pick. Right. And he's going to slide a little because of the ACL, but uh, yeah, it'll be a worthy worthy pick at 23 then i had them taking kyler gordon in the second round the cornerback from washington who i really high on i think he can cover debo and cup we need a guy who can do that and then uh in the third round i had them taking uh, isaiah spiller the running back from um texas a&m i think is a perfect fit for them uh i don't think they're going to be a, the cardinals are going to be able to re-sign both james connor and chase edmonds so i think we'll need a running back at some point and then my super sleeper in round three with their second pick is um ej perry quarterback 
Brown University, um, <laughs> who I know from this area. He was supposed to play at Boston College, but got, you know, that whole situation with Steve Adazio was falling apart. He transferred to Brown and was all Ivy League for uh, two years. And then he just lit it up at the East-West Shrine game um, and won offensive MVP. Um, he's a really good athlete. And I, when I watch EJ Perry's tape, I just all I can think about is King Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury having to wear a bib um, <laughs> because uh, he does some th- He's very Kingsbury-esque type quarterback. Uh, he's athletic. He's accurate. He can move around. I mean, he's not Kyler, but um, so I'm thinking that EJ Perry might sneak into day two of the draft somewhere along the line. And so I thought, well, if, you know, why not add him to the mix and, uh, you know, and build on the position from that end too. So that was my proposal. What do you think of it? The Thibodeau thing is fascinating because if the Texans had a lower pick, I'd laugh you out the building. But the fact they have the number three pick changes, changes the math a little bit. Right. I don't, I don't see it with Davis Mills the way other people do. Not that he's like terrible. He's a high end backup. I feel like at this point, and he's young. So every, you know, he can always get better if someone gives him the chance to develop into a quarter. It's the same thing with Jalen Hurts right now. I don't think Jalen Hurts is good, but Jalen Hurts is good enough to start in the NFL for a team that's, you know, iffy. Um, But he's in that like 21 to 32 range, I guess, at this point. Um, So I I thought you were going to say the other quarterback for the Texans who is embroiled in legal trouble when you started it. I'm like, that would change all the math. Yeah, don't want anything to do with him. Um, I, mean, I I thought when you said Texans, that was where you were headed with that. Uh, I, the Cardinals have to get more for Kyler Murray. I, I kind of talked about that yesterday. Is No player that young who has the promise of potentially having Hall of Fame talent has ever hit the market at this age. The Cardinals would have to – I mean, Deshaun Watson did last year for two months before his legal trouble. But no quarterback that good – at that age has ever hit the market. So the number three pick is changing the math on it. They would have to, they would have to ask for the same thing the Texans asked for with Watson to move Kyler Murray at this point. This is like uh, we have to get an offer. We can't refuse right. in order to do that one. So right. I'd ask for more of Houston's draft picks that they just now finally got back after three years or whatever it is. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I. What really encouraged me last year was watching Colt McCoy in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Um, he was so efficient, um, you know, and uh, so in tune with, uh, in sync with the with his receivers and with the running backs and. You know, he, he beat the uh, both the, the 49ers and the Seahawks on the road in, in his two out of his three games. And um, I just have this feeling that, like, a Davis Mills could be just fine in the offense. Uh, I want to bring Colt McCoy back um, as QB2, but, you know, maybe I'm mistaken in thinking that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I really – 
kind of down on the whole Kyler thing. I think once you do that, once you get one foot out the door, you just sort of disgrace the organization. I don't know if you can come back from it. In, in the Cardinals' history of recent guys doing that, it has not ended up well for any of them. And, um, and now, you know, guys who were team captains um, and fan favorites like Patrick Peterson, Tyran Matthew, um, and to a way lesser extent, uh, Chandler Jones. I mean, Jones demanded a trade last year, scrubbed his socials of all Cardinal stuff. And he had a great first game, five sacks, and was like, hey, I'm back. Um, but uh, he was he tried hard from that point on, but the numbers just didn't come. And down the stretch, he wasn't, you know, you need your best players to deliver. Um, he just wasn't um, delivering the way we needed to. And, but it wasn't for lack of effort necessarily. I just think age has caught up to him and, you know, he tried to leverage his way. And, uh, I was hoping last year they would, they would try to trade him or recover his 15.5 mil that was non-guaranteed um, that they could have easily done just because, I mean, I love Chandler Jones, but it looked to me like, you know, age was catching up to the year before. And of course he missed uh, 11 games because of a pec injury and, or a bicep injury, excuse me. And then, uh, you know, when you got 15.5 million to throw back into the kitty, boy, the things you could, I mean, I, I made the argument you could have re-signed Hassan Reddick, who was a better fit in the defense now anyway and younger. And you could have added um, another big-time player um, left over or two to help the defense or even on offense. Um but uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I I was ambivalent about that because I really like Chandler. Um, I like his spirit. But but once he scrubbed, you know, once he demanded the trade and scrubbed his media of all Cardinals related stuff, it just turned me off. I mean, if that's what it amounts to, is just gonna diss on the organization because you know they, you know, they want to wait and see if you can have a as a good a bounce back year to warrant another extension at your current salary, particularly at your age and now you know, coming off an injury riddle season. I mean, I just don't like those kind of tactics. I mean, what do you think about that? I will say the same thing to this that I've talked about with the Jaguars and with the Jets and with the Texans, which are usually franchises of incompetence across the board. Not that the Arizona Cardinals have been a, a picture of competence across the last 40 years of NFL football. But those are the franchises that traded their franchise players in what could be, you know, interpreted as dump type of moves, which I guess, you know, Chandler Jones is different in that way. Kyler Murray would certainly be a, we've just, we've just changed the next five years of the course of our franchise. If you made a trade, but the thing I'll point to with that is when, the Jaguars traded Jalen Ramsey and when the Jets traded Jamal Adams and when the Texans traded all of their draft picks for Laramie Tunsil and then traded away DeAndre Hopkins because their team is run by a pastor and <laughs> all of the craziness that happened there. The point I went to is you are not going to find a player as good as that guy for the next 
10 to 15 years. Jamal Adams has slightly changed a little bit because Jamal Adams has battled injuries and isn't quite the same player. But at the time, you're not going to find a player as good as that person for the next 15 years. And the argument on the other side is you don't need that type of player in order to get back to the top or we're going to lock our way into getting another one of them. Like the Jaguars thought that Trevor Lawrence could be as good as what he does as Jalen Ramsey is at what he does. And that was kind of their victory of we traded Jalen Ramsey and we lost enough games because of it to get rewarded with Trevor Lawrence. And the Jets traded Jamal Adams and we lost enough games to be rewarded with Zach Wilson. Right. Those are the pieces that we build off of. The Arizona Cardinal, like as great as making the moves are in those ways, this is kind of what's happening in the NBA with Ben Simmons too. The Cardinals are never going to see a player as good as Kyler Murray for the next 10 years. You could argue at that position or other positions, but the Cardinals are not going to be able to get that because it's just so hard to get one of those guys. It's easier than it's ever been before. It's also still very hard to get a player as good as Kyler Murray. But the argument, of course, is, well, if he's making 21% of your salary cap, it's much harder to win with that guy, especially when there are quarterbacks better than him on cheaper contracts and things like that. So be very, very smart about doing a crazy move like that, because if you mess it up with that kind of thing, it sets franchises back five plus years, as we're seeing with the Jaguars right now, who are in year three post Jalen Ramsey and still have the number one pick in the draft or the Jets who are year two post Jamal Adams and still have the number four pick in the draft. And I don't think it's going to work out for the Jets is that it's, it's really hard for some of these places to get those star type of players. And Arizona's had a better pick at their hand over the past, whatever, 20 years or so. Like they've had hall of famers come through the organization. They've been pretty good at drafting. They got to be really, really smart about Kylo Murray. I'd advise everyone in Arizona to just, you know, take a deep breath, take a chill pill, just, Everyone step back. We don't need to do anything dramatic here. If I were, you know, if I were advising them, I'd just be like, look, you should have won the NFC West. If you don't lose the weirdest result of the season to the Lions, you win the NFC West, the hardest division in football. Pretty much everyone's coming back. At least all of the important pieces are coming back. I know Christian Kirk will leave and James Conner will leave, but they also found James Conner in free agency. So they could possibly find another James Conner. Um, just you're going to have most of the core of the team back together. You make Some improvements in the draft and you have a little bit of cap space. I mean, we talked about wide receivers that they could add and you threw Jamison Williams is using the pick to work alongside DeAndre Hopkins. I would just advise everyone take a step back if you're Arizona, because you got to be you it has to be an offer you simply cannot refuse if you're going to consider moving Kyla Murray like someone has to give you like the Ricky Williams trade package or something like that to consider moving off of Kyler Murray and trying to play your hand in the lottery of quarterbacks again right yeah i mean i like what you're saying and um a lot of it makes sense but what really uncomfortable to me is you know believe me in Arizona 
the climate um, amongst the media towards Kyler and Cliff has been so volatile. I mean, it's just from week to week. I mean, the Arizona Republic, when the Cardinals started to go into their swoon, was printing articles every week with quotes from national pundits who were basically um, ripping Kyler and Cliff new ones, I mean, week after week, uh, without any rebuttal. Just here's what people are saying. And it's just gotten to a preposterous crescendo. Um, and I don't know if it's impossible it's possible for those guys to not hear this kind of noise. Um, it sort of was baffling to me too. I mean, like you said, I mean, when do you, how often do you come across a talent like Kyler Murray? But for whatever reason, Kyler is very polarizing in Arizona. I mean, some people have embraced the talent and are being patient with it. Other people are totally impatient and have sort of dismissed it from the start. Um, because there are some things that Kyler is, you know, struggles with and, but as all young quarterbacks do, you know, and, but now that he's scrubbed his, you know, Cardinals related stuff off his media and, you know, the, his agent won't even comment. I mean, it's clear that, uh, he either wants to get paid big time or he wants out and, you know, that's the next, the next shoe to fall is I want to be traded. And when you play that card, I mean, I don't know how you come back from that. I, especially when the, when the environment, the, the climate is so volatile to begin with, like every time you throw an interception or every time you lose a game, it's going to come crashing back down. This this, you know, the oppressive weight of this scrutiny and, you know, I, it's it's just really tough. I, I, you know, I do. I recognize the talent. No one was standing on the table more. I think I was the first one in Arizona to be writing articles about you have to draft Kyler and trade Josh Rosen. And so many of the fans were telling me how crazy I was, and you just don't do that. You traded up to get Rosen. You gave up a lot to get Rosen. How can you trade Rosen now? And I said because Kyler's clearly better. He's more talented and, you know, and, and Kyler, to his credit, I mean, he won rookie of the year his first year and he was in the MVP conversation for the first half of the second year and first half of last year. He's got those, you know, once he gets injured, he seems like a little bit of a different player afterwards and they're just these question marks. And then, you know, he's in your face with the Oakland A stuff and I don't get that. I mean, I don't see, I mean, I think he showed up Christmas Day at the Christmas Day game wearing an A's T-shirt. It's just sort of bizarre, some of the circumstances surrounding Kyler. And if you look at his history, I mean, you know, he goes to Texas A&M um, where his dad was a quarterback. So he makes the uh, that decision. And, of course, A&M didn't work out, so he's in a huff and leaving there. And then he has to sit, sit, sit behind Baker Mayfield, which still mystifies me. And if, if I have a quarterback room with Kyler Murray in it and Baker Mayfield, I mean, no one knows this, but you have to wonder what Oklahoma would have been like 
in Mayfield's year, um, senior year with Kyler, because, uh, you know, maybe they make it to the championship game um, in that season. I don't know, but I mean, was that year, the year that the Rose Bowl went to like double overtime or something, was that the, was that the Kyler Murray year? I can't remember anymore, but that was the, that was the year Baker started and Kyler was the backup, I think. Yeah, right. And yes, and it was that year. Okay. So, you know, and then Kyler gets drafted by the A's and then somehow finagles his way to be able to take the money and still play football, which was a, Colossal mistake by the Oakland A's. Yeah, you don't draft a guy in number nine in the in the MLB draft without assurances that he's going to play for you. Oh, this happens all the time though in Major League Baseball. Is that the system has actually been set up where sometimes it's better for teams to just not sign their draft picks than it is to actually sign them because of how much of a non guarantee being a top draft pick is and how high the bonus slots are i remember um the mets drafted uh kamar rocker with the 10 pick last year and just didn't sign him because he had arm issues they're like we'd rather get the the compensatory pick next year save three million dollars and go on with our day the astros did the same thing with brady aiken in 2014 it's a it's a weird thing in baseball um but you are correct the, the a's should have locked him down to be a baseball player yeah, instead of letting and, him go back to Oklahoma. You know, but then, I mean, Kyler's history is if things don't go his way, he wants out. I mean, so, I mean, uh, uh, at each level. I mean, it's like say, you know, he didn't stick it out there. He wanted out of there. I mean, he went to uh, Oklahoma, didn't, didn't get the starting nod, but waited patiently and then got – but played baseball too and got signed by the A's as a number nine pick in the draft. And, you know, then somehow finagle his way to play wins the Heisman. Now suddenly he's a, you know, a legitimate number one pick in the draft by, you know, so many people's accounts, um, including my own. Um, and now here he is after three years, scrubbing his social media of all Cardinals related stuff. Um, you know, um, trying to posture. I don't, we, we haven't even heard from him yet, but you know, what, what seems obvious to me is that he's been told they're going to, they're not going to extend him just yet. And they're going to wait another year. They're going to exercise his fifth year option. Um, in the meantime, and with the hopes of getting a contract done, after next year trying to you know increase their capacity to make a run for it um next year um and pick up where they left off this year and finish it better make make a you know a, a um, more impressive uh run through the playoffs so but uh it's yeah. I would point to this part of it as well in the conversation, which is it seems like Arizona, I mean, we know fans as a whole lean pro management. This is a thing that has been known for years in professional sports about, you know, labor fights uh, where fans always side with the billionaires over the millionaires and 
then you have players who demand contracts and all of a sudden the fans are in a, in a pity and they side with management. But then when management trades a player, it's just business. Overwhelmingly historically that fans side pro management in this, the way that I've, I guess for years now sided in the other direction is being almost always pro labor. And that's kind of been my way of figuring out, you know, how do you, how does Kyler Murray come back from this in a sense? And the easy way for me is like, when you said, how does he come back? I'm like, Oh, it's very easy. As if the fan base looks at him and says, we understand that you are an incredibly valuable player. It's not personal. You're trying to, get the most money possible because you know tomorrow you could be injured and your career's over and if you hadn't been as good as you are that the cardinals could have discarded you the way they discarded josh rosen and you would have never gotten your money and kylo murray is knows he has ridiculous amounts of leverage because he is the thing that every single franchise in the nfl is trying to get which is a franchise quarterback for the next 10 years. Right. He is one of the most valuable commodities anywhere in the NFL right now. And right. I would be insulted if the Cardinals don't extend me, if I'm in the boat of Kylo Murray, because he is putting up, I mean, we talked about it yesterday on red rain. He was eighth in passer rating his rookie year, fifth last year and seventh this year in right. the NFL. Right. And he is looking at it like, of course, I don't want to play another season because then you can franchise tag me after that. And then you can franchise tag me again. And all of a sudden I've lost out on this gigantic contract. I would rather by then I'm, you know, 25 years old or, or no, he's 25 now. By then I'll be 28 years old. And all of a sudden, maybe I'm not the same player I once was. Maybe my contract isn't going to be as big as it once was. I would rather get I need the contract now because of course I want to lock in 40 45 million dollars a year for the next 4 years. That's a gigantic I don't think I can do better than that even with an MVP caliber season next year. The risk is not worth the reward on that even if it's, you know, I become MVP and win <laughs> get an extra 40 million dollars. He's like I would like the giant extension and we can be together for the next six years, or I can force a trade later on if the Cardinals are, you know, running their organization like the Cardinals. I think it's just more so people side against Kyler Murray and side with the Bidwells and the team and the and the they side with the colors and the logo of the team that they root for than any individual player. And I think because the players will come and go, but they'll always be fans of the team fans generally side pro management. And I think that seems to be the case in Arizona where the problems can't possibly be that we drafted Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons in the draft. The problem has to be the coach and the quarterback. And if we change the coach and quarterback, all of our problems will be fixed or we'll at least have a better chance in the future with Davis Mills or whichever other quarterback you add into the mix that basically makes you the Miami Dolphins who have been waiting 25 years to have a quarterback as good as Kyler Murray. And even the Cardinals have been doing that for a certain sense. Yes. So I guess yeah, I, I just generally lean pro labor in that way. Well, I don't, I don't, <laughs> not too many Cardinal fans are pro management. Trust me. Um, and except to th- 
well, because the history of screwing things up and, you know, I mean, the Cardinals had a ridiculous contract dispute with Kurt Warner after he took the team to the Super Bowl to the point where he had to take a visit to the 49ers who were then interested in signing him away from the Cardinals. And, you know, back then it was for, you know, Kurt Warner wanted like 10, 12 million <laughs> and the Cardinals were balking at it. I mean, they just have a just colossal way of whenever they have success of watching it like a, a house of cards blow over and they don't make the right moves and, and they get caught in these situations contract wise where it's difficult. I mean, when their history of renewing players prior to when they really have to, it's just been awful. I mean, uh, Tyron Matthew, I mean, they could have waited another year, see how he bounced back from his ACL. You know, they could have franchise tagged him if they had to, but instead they make him the highest paid safety in the game. And then the next two years with the Cardinals on that big deal, he pockets all the guaranteed money and, doesn't look like himself, um, both in terms of his play and his effort. Um, it's just not the same player. David Johnson, ditto. Um, didn't have to sign him that early. Um, you can even go to um, Bruce Arians and Steve Kime, who Michael Bidwell, um, after two years, ripped up their existing contracts and gave them highly lucrative bonuses and, and raises. And they have that one good year, and then it all far, falls apart. Um, I don't know if they just, you know, Bruce Arians seemed to get a little full of himself and thought he could just, you know, uh, um, rely on his friends and cronies uh, instead of hiring outside to hire a new defensive coordinator when Todd Bowles left. And he appointed a guy with no, you know, um, defensive coordinating experience when guys like Wade Phillips and uh, Dick LeBeau and um, <clears throat> Jim Schwartz were out there um, and he's preaching we're going all the way, you know, we're all in for 2015. Well, they basically had a rookie defensive coordinator um, and it backfired. Um, and as logically it would, I mean, you'd to win at these levels, you need, you need, uh, you know, the best possible coaching and, you know, it's just the history of the Cardinals. It's, it's like damned if they do damned if they don't. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I, I've enjoyed talking to you about this because you've, you've given me a perspective to, to chew on. And maybe I, I am overreacting as, you know, as, as some fans are apt to do. But it, it bothers me. It, it, you know, the price tag for me at $45 million is really daunting um, because I, I just don't – I mean, as good as Kyler is, there are aspects that concern me. There are red flags, one of which is at any point, what's to stop him from saying, no, nah, I'm sick of football, I'm going to baseball? I mean, how many situations do you have that as a, as a, you know, as a scenario? Um, I mean, I'm thinking through all of NFL history, you're talking 
Ricky Williams. Right. Uh, you're talking technically Patrick Willis. He walked away early, but he went and just retired. Right. Uh, Andrew Luck, things like that. There, you know, I can count them on my hands in that way. Um, in which case, that is an Arizona Cardinals are damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because right. I, I think the alter the there are legitimate concerns about making Kyler Murray one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. Roughly right. that he's not Patrick Mahomes, he's not Josh Allen, but he's also as good, if not better, than Russell Wilson. Like that part is where I'd point to and well, say physically, are- but not mentally. I mean, Russell Wilson is on a whole different plateau. One of the great things about Wilson is how hardened and steely he is mentally. He's a, such a tremendous competitor. I mean, for example, one glaring um, noticeable difference is how the, both of those guys run a two-minute drill. I mean, Russell Wilson is one of the elite quarterbacks to ever do it. I mean, you just don't want to give him the ball with two minutes left on either half because you know time and time again he's going to get it done. Kyler, uh, his whole so far in three years, two-minute drills to throw a five-yard pass every play. Um, And uh, they usually end up trying to kick long field goals and sometimes they make it or – you know, it's it's just it's not well coordinated. The tempo's wrong. Um, he just there. That's one aspect of his game he really needs to improve. Now, you know, you don't just come into the league like Russell Wilson in a two minute drill. And can Kyler improve that part of his game and be brilliant at it, like Mahomes was with 13 seconds left? Unbelievable. Um, it's possible, but it's just not there yet. And that's why when you said, and this is what I'm thinking, when you said. You know, I'm just not sure Kyler Murray is forty deserves forty four five million. That goes back to my original thought was, yeah, that's why you wait another year because you don't have to. Make oh, if that you're the Cardinals, now. yeah, if you're the Cardinals, you don't have to. If Kyler Murray, you're forcing the Cardinals to make that decision, right. and I think that gap is where the difference is right now. Exactly. The point that Kyler Murray is doing this for, and this is why I approve of Kyler Murray doing all of this stuff, is the Cardinals have no leverage. He has leverage. The Cardinals do not have leverage at this point because the alternative is to start a war with Kyler Murray, and you do not want to do that with the guy who you think is – I mean, we're talking about trades now. You can find mock drafts now where the Cardinals trade Kyler Murray after social media, whatever. I don't think it's actually going to happen, but Kyler Murray is – seemingly willing to make things ugly in Arizona right. as a form of leverage and credit to him if he does, because someone's got to back him up on that. The same way people got mad at James Harden for making things ugly. That's the pro management side of it is where people are like, look at this entitled guy who wants to go play for other teams. And I look at it. I'm like, Oh, James Harden's just willing to use every ounce of leverage that he has and willing to absorb the shame of it. And credit to him for that. I don't know if Kyler Murray's at that point yet, but Arizona, if, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday. What are the alternatives besides paying Kyler Murray the money that they inevitably will pay him? It is a trade. If you trade Kyler Murray, you're punting on the next five to seven years of football, you're not immediately getting better by trading Kyler Murray. You're, you know, getting draft picks and 
a, a project in a Davis Mills, unless you can get a quarterback better than Kyler Murray in a trade, which I, that would be, again, I think Deshaun Watson's the only game you can play on that one of as good as See, Kyler Murray. I get it's that, just, but I also think that there are components of this that are critical, one being leadership. I mean, sometimes you can be better as a team with a with stronger a stronger leader and a steadier presence at quarterback than um, a, a hugely talented guy who who's got some leadership. Remember Jeff George? I mean, no, one, I do not, but I've heard oh, the name. Oh <laughs> well, Jeff George. Jeff George was. This is John, the nineties, right? John Elway esque with no John Elway leadership. Um, I mean, Jeff George could throw throw the ball eighty yards, uh, you know, in tight spirals. He was brilliant athletically, um, but he, at the end of the day, I mean, he was a sulky, pouty. Um, when the pressure was on, kind of, he even once took himself out of a game in a close game, and nobody could understand why. Um, he said he had a bit of an leg issue or something and now he's just sitting on the bench and he was just a real mercurial guy and kind of a just not a leader you know and I think that Kyler has leadership issues um I, you know I don't expect young quarterbacks to come in and be brilliant leaders but you know when I look over at, at Joe Burrow um you know and the way that he comports himself and the way that he um, bonds with his teammates. I don't see that in Kyler, and that's another component that's that's really important. I mean, if I mean, here's another thing, um, you know, uh, about about Kyler. That's an interesting, curious thing. Is ever since he arrived, he said this numerous times after losses to the media. He says, "Well, you know, I've always won." You know, and I think from his standpoint, what he's trying to say is that this is hard on me, losing. Okay. But it also kind of, in a way, throws his teammates under the bus because it implies, well, now I'm with a bunch of losers. <laughs> so, because it's not a one-man sport. I mean, it takes it takes a whole team to win and lose, and you have to be good in all three phases to win games and Sometimes they're just by the narrowest of margins. You have to be better, you know, but, um, but I can see where, and, and then Kyler is, he's also precocious and stubborn and, um, you know, kind of like comes across as I've got it all figured out, you know, and, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how coachable he is actually. Um, and, um, cause he, you know, he's the son of a coach who's always been conditioned to think a certain way. And, you know, it's for the same reason why we don't see Kyler running around like he should, like any other coach um, would have him running around in, in the open field on bootlegs and waggles and, and uh, sprint outs. And, um, but all you see play after play is Kyler in the back of the pocket and it's not really even a pocket because he he'll never step into it. So you're just throwing from a spot. 
I mean, there's just all these just sort of unorthodox um, things that any other coach who could, got his hands on Kyler and wanted to take advantage of the thing that he does better than anyone on the planet is what he can do with his feet, you know, and just kind of out of stubbornness saying, no, I just want to throw from this spot in the back of a shotgun and I'm not really that interested in running around doing things on schedule. I'll do it off schedule. If I get flush from the pocket, um, it's just really frustrating to see that kind of stubbornness, um, you know, going on uh, when you've got such talent, you know, be like in a way to be like a, a power hitter in baseball, deciding he's just going to try to go, you know, um, opposite field line drive base hit um, all game long. I, I don't believe in that being like a plausible example for why Kyler Murray isn't better because Kyler Murray is not actively trying to be worse as a quarterback. That the, the idea that he is like choosing to sit in the pocket instead of scrambling for whatever his vices may be, at which point, you know, I don't know Kyler Murray personally. But Kyler Murray is actively trying to be better as a quarterback. The, 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 those parts, I feel like as, we, as much as we give credence to them, they aren't as important as we think they are because these are the same vices we associated to Odell Beckham back when he was on the Cleveland Browns for the people who wanted to prop up Baker Mayfield. And ultimately, I think that the, the, the environment around him was toxic in combination to Odell Beckham's just a different cat. Like his personality jives differently with people, especially the white power structure of football. And Odell Beckham kind of bucked against that and injuries didn't help him. And then he goes to the Rams who, you know, for whatever reason, just say, look, we're going to be fine here. You be you, whatever works. We're going to embrace you and love you no matter what. I think that's more what Kyler Murray kind of needs right now is to be embraced and loved by the Cardinals. Um, Cause if they trade him, then this is the part that I would point to is they are punting on, we're going to try again with another guy five to seven years down the road. And we're not even going to try and figure out, we're going to play the risk of, yeah, he might not be $45 million good, but we don't even want to find out if he's going to be $45 million good. Because we'd rather just be bad now than be stuck in purgatory paying him a bunch of money when he never takes the leap to become Josh Allen. I would want to find out if I were in the Cardinals position. I at least would say I still want to find out how good he's going to be. And maybe for Kyler, it's like, well, if you don't want to pay me the money, there's 28 other teams that will at this point. Or 20, I don't know, take away six teams at this point. And maybe, just maybe, I can get into a better situation. Maybe there's a worse situation. There are also a lot of worse places to be than Arizona. But I think Kyler Murray is one of those quarterbacks that just by virtue of having him, you're going to win eight games every year. And I think all the stuff in between might be a product of environment more than anything else. Because I have no idea if Kyler Murray's a good leader. I have no idea if Joe Burrow's a good leader. And that's just because I haven't been around them enough. I'm only looking at it from afar when they play on football Sundays and yeah. snippets and clips that people say. 
it's the same thing I said with Aaron Rodgers earlier this year is I'm not going to judge Aaron Rodgers because I don't know Aaron Rodgers personally. I don't know whether Aaron Rodgers is a good leader or wants to be a good leader. Like, I don't know if he felt a sense of connection to his teammates or if he was halfway out the door. We, we just don't know. And I just don't know Kyler Murray well enough to point to what he does as a leader. Cause you know, the classic tropes of leadership get shattered all the time. Trevor Lawrence said the same thing at Clemson where he, or when he was going to Jacksonville where he's like, look, I, I am fully aware of this situation. I lost four games in, in high school and college. I lost four games and I won championships everywhere I went. Like I have, I have confidence because I have had nothing but success in my life. And I think that's kind of the thing I think about with Kyler Murray is you're the number one pick in the NFL draft and you've had success. You're the greatest high school quarterback in the history of the state of Texas and you won a Heisman Trophy in college. Like, you are incredibly good. And you are, just by being there, good enough to be great. Uh, just by being in Arizona, you make them relevant again. And I, I would look at him and say, yeah, I would want to lock in that $45 million in that way. And I have the leverage to move wherever I want because I'm Kyler Murray and I have leverage. <laughs> I guess that's kind of the argument there. I don't know whether Kylo Murray or Joe Burrow or Aaron Rodgers are good leaders. I've heard people say Justin Herbert's a good leader, but that's from like Keenan Allen and reading stories about that where he's like, dude doesn't say anything and he's just like outworks everyone. And that's kind of how he exhibits leadership the same way Kawhi Leonard kind of does it. And until Kawhi Leonard didn't do it, but it's kind of that idea of like, we don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't know what makes a good leader and what doesn't. And maybe the Cardinals are doing that evaluation and maybe they get proven right. I just think it's far more likely than not that they will regret not extending Kyla Murray and at least finding out. I think they should want to find out because this decision is the crossroad of the franchise for the next five years. Yeah. I just, you know, I got to get going, but, I, I just mm-hmm. hear both sides of what you're saying. You know, you even said, I don't know if he's worth $45 million yet, and which corroborates the thought for me is that, yeah, that's why if you're the Cardinals, why not wait another year to be, have a better sense of, of that? And you could even wait two years because you're going to pick up a fifth-year option. I know that's frustrating for Kyler, but it's not like he's not getting paid. He'd get would have sixty four million for five years guaranteed. That's not chump change. Sixty four million for five right. years guaranteed. Are, are you counting the the rookie contract part? Yeah, that would be the yeah. entirety of his rookie contract, all of which is guaranteed. If they pick up the fifth year option, all of it is guaranteed. So if they franchise tag him for the next two years after that, right, like what the Cowboys did with Dak Prescott, right, he would essentially make the equivalent of over the next four seasons, so his fourth year, his fifth year, and two franchise tag years. I don't know exactly what the franchise tag numbers are going to be. Roughly $100 million ballpark. 
but also he's playing year to year on every contract. So the yeah. Cardinals can get rid of him anytime they well, want. Well, no one's in favor of the F tag. You know, by then you either know whether he's your long-term guy and you pay him market value, whatever it's worth. Um, I'm not against doing that, I think. But when you're in a position where you don't have to make that decision yet, particularly when it's backfired on you before with, with players, um, I don't think you, I don't think it's wise to just say, okay, well, even though we have some questions still, we'll, we'll give you the 45 million because who else are we going to get? And, um, with the Cardinals, it's beneficial to the Cardinals for that. And shouldn't take that lying down he should absolutely use whatever leverage he has okay to get okay. that contact I, I you know let's just agree to disagree but mm-hmm. um i don't think it's uh the timing of this is um very good at all uh, but we can go on and on we just think differently about this and i'm closer mm-hmm. to it than you are emotionally and Sometimes emotions talk and you're talking very, you're making some really good points and, you know, and I, I appreciate hearing it from that stand. And, and uh, I'm just not at the desperation point of um, wanting to write, write a $45 million a year, give up one fifth of the entire salary cap um, to a player that has as many red flags as he does. I mean, mm-hmm. the other thing to me is that, you know, when he gets after, even though he was fine this year, he starts playing scared. And that's a big red flag to me. I mean, you don't see that too often from quarterbacks um, in the NFL. And when you do, it's other teams pick up on it. And, uh, you know, and I don't blame him in a way. I mean, if you're that small and, you know, you're playing against Aaron Donald and these big, gigantic defensive line. I, I totally could understand being a little skittish uh, more than that. But quarterbacks, typically the ones who win, like Tom Brady, I mean, don't play scared. And the um, crux, Yeah, the crux of my argument for that, it, for the Kyler Murray one, because I was the person who I still bask in the glory of saying back in 2019, the Rams would be idiotic to extend Jared Goff. It would be the dumbest thing ever if they gave him $30 million, and then they did it, and I was right. The crux of my belief in this is I've seen enough from Kyler Murray to know that dude is special. That guy is yeah. amazing. And... Arizona, Arizona doesn't have, I I thought Arizona didn't have much of a choice in like, yeah, yeah, we just need to give him that contract because we want him to be our quarterback the next six years at whatever the price may be. Maybe not 55 million, which I know might be the sham report that people are using to kind of slander Kyler Murray a little bit, but 40, 40 to 45 million. I would do it. That's what Josh Allen's getting. Gotcha. I'd pay him what Josh Allen's at. I just believe that Kyler Murray is that dude. I think Kyler Murray is as good as Justin Herbert, as good as Joe Burrow, 
as good as all of those guys in like the second tier behind, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson being the cream of the crop right. quarterbacks. Yeah, if I, I felt just, the I, same I, way, I'd, I'd be making the same argument, but I don't feel that. That's so, where the agree to disagree comes right. from. Because I've heard, because I was talking about this with someone else. I was like, so would you take him over Dak Prescott? And they were like, no. Would you take him over Stafford? No. Would you take him over Derek Carr? No. I was like, wow, okay. So we are really low on Kyler Murray over here. And uh, I was also the person who said Carson Wentz was elite two years ago. So it could be <laughs> wrong. Could could be wrong, you know. Well, I thought <laughs> could, he was pretty dang good too. And, you know, yeah. but, but, uh, Things change, don't they? Can change in a hurry. Yeah. But I really injuries appreciate it. made him. Yeah, injuries yeah. made him like the sixth best quarterback to the thirteenth best quarterback. <laughs> Mostly injuries did it for him. Yeah. Well, listen. Enjoy the game. I'll be thinking of you, uh, and uh, I hope it's another great game. And um, thank you, as always, for having me on the Take It Easy podcast. Um, it's a favorite, and um, you know, thanks for all that you do and no one's does it as well as the little rock. So happy super bowl <laughs> Sunday weekend and, uh, have a great one, my friend. Yeah. Have a great weekend, Walter. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care, bud. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.